Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talked to Jared Gardner, vice president of digital marketing at Sprinkler. They discussed the company's recent IPO the ins and outs of quote-unquote technical marketing, as well as the future of cookie-less marketing channels. Gardner also shares the unexpected tasks that come with being a promotions director for a radio station. AJ is preparing for a trip to New York, and Vincent is happy to be hosting events again. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships and still Interim General Manager of Access B2B. They have not removed that title from me yet, so I'm keeping it as long as I can. First off, you already listened to the podcast. Thank you to all our listeners out there. But in case you're listening for the first time, you don't know who I am. You don't know who Starista is. Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We focus on identity. We own our own databases, business to business, business to consumer. We help companies utilize those databases to get new customers. Who doesn't need new customers? We do that through email marketing. We own our own DSP, Adster, we could deploy, display, connected TV, account-based marketing. We are here to help. Email me at vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am that we could help. The other thing I'm confident in in life is I could always rely on this next person, my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see him in New York very shortly. I'm counting down the days. I'm getting ready and prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as the San Antonio Slayer. I know him as our CEO, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Your wife might get jealous if she heard our podcasts. I know she will, you know, that, that's my ad, you know, my admiration there. And, and she will, especially, she's going to go from jealous to angry because of those dinners I'm sure we'll have in town and those <laughs> nights out. So she's going to get angry real quick. Uh, you know? Yeah. I look forward to being back. It's been a year plus. Uh, I don't know the last time I went without seeing New York city for this long. January. I was just talking to our amazing producers on the podcast. And I said, I think it was January when we kicked off the marketing edge uh, award season, if you will. But then that was virtual. Uh, we're back in person for the marketing edge awards. Starista is receiving the corporate disruptor award. So that'll be good. That is in September. But yeah, it'll be good. What do you, it'd be good to have you. What are you looking most forward to in New York? Looking forward to the food, man. So I think San Antonio is great uh, when it comes to Mexican food, but there's not really another place in the world with quite the uh, food diversity that New York City has. So uh, hoping that a lot of the restaurants are still there and looking forward to that. And yeah, I think the last event we did in New York was at uh, NASDAQ. So that was fun. That's right. The NASDAQ. Yeah. San Antonio is great, but no one is ever like, you know, you have to try those San Antonio bagels. No one says that <laughs> ever. I don't maybe, think maybe anyone's the tacos, ever said San Antonio tacos. Exactly. That's what people say. So yes, we're looking forward to seeing you in person. 
Also, I just found out yesterday that yours truly is going to be the host of the Direct Marketing Club of New York Silver Apple Awards slated for November 4th. I'd done the event in 2018. They asked me back. It's a good thing for Starista. I love doing it and it'll be also a nicely well attended event. So I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, it looks like uh, you lost your job for a couple of years, but they decided they wanted you back. So that's good. I lost my job for one year. In comes a new president. They're like, hey, let's change it up. That same president two years later is like, wait a minute. I think we need a little umph. And <laughs> they had asked me back, but it's great. It's, it's great. I'm happy to be back doing it, looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to this guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I met this guest in person. It's not every time. There's only maybe a handful of our guests that I met in person. I actually haven't met him prior to him doing the podcast or agreeing to do the podcast, but I met him and his lovely wife in person in New York City, that amazing New York City. It comes back to that all the time. We cannot wait to talk to him. Let's give a warm marketing stir welcome to the Vice President of Digital Marketing at Sprinkler, Jared Gardner. What's going on, Jared? Hey, Vincent. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Vincent, it, it, was, it was a blast getting to actually meet real life people. Uh, so not only that, but hopefully we created a bond that you'll just be able to feel like we're best friends on this podcast now. And AJ, it's great to meet you for the first time, man. Yeah, good meeting you. Yeah, see, uh, AJ's not a best friend level just yet, Jared. So he'll have to, you know, he'll have to earn that. But yeah, you know, I I always say this. I feel like when you spend an hour with a person on the podcast, and then sometimes we have a, a call with our producers prior to that, the bond already starts. But when you share face-to-face -face. you share drinks together we'll get to the reason why you met me in person i'm not gonna reveal the reason why i'm not gonna ask the question that's for my co-host to bring that up but it was yeah it was great meeting you you visited new york city uh, i'm also going to talk about why you were in new york city very exciting news to why you were there but before we start jared for those of our listeners who don't know sprinkler tell us about sprinkler and then within your role, I, I love that you have a very targeted role. It's, very, it's digital marketing. We've had people in various fields of marketing here, various titles, uh, maybe one, two with digital in there, but you're the, that's your focus. So I'd love to learn about Sprinkler and then your role within Sprinkler. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to, love to talk about that a bit. So um, Sprinkler is a enterprise software company. So we make a unified platform for all customer facing functions. So we call that unified CXM or you know, CXM has been a category that's been around customer experience management. Um, prior to us, customer experience management was really customer experience measurement. And so surveys of people asking you how your experience was after uh, interaction, a transaction, uh, MPS surveys, CSAT surveys, things like that. So we, what we really offer is the ability for um, companies to unify all their customer facing functions from advertising to marketing, to social engagement, social publishing, uh, live chat, things like that across our four product suites of care, advertising, marketing, engagement, um, and research, uh, really enterprise focused historically. Uh, we help them bring all their data together and make sure that if a 
customer has an issue on social media that then trickles into it that an employee or an email based customer care case that they can stitch that together and understand that it's the same issue that somebody was having publicly on social media as what they you know came in through live chat or came in through an email based ticketing system. Uh, so we help unify all of that. Um, and, yeah. And as far as your, you know, talk to me a little bit about your, your role specifically there, Jared, and how you got into marketing in the first place. You're definitely young enough to where you probably studied digital marketing because digital marketing, I am revealing my age. I will be 43 in August. There was nothing digital. Forget it. You know, the marketing I studied, there was like an envelope and they're like this is direct mail and i'm like okay but tell me about your individual role there some of your responsibilities and then and then how you got in uh to this space yeah so i uh i joined about three months ago to start a digital marketing department um which we you know post covid really had had a focus on growth and marketing and so uh my scope is really digital demand generation. And that's what I'm focused on, on primarily is the demand generation part. I have three teams on my team. I have a performance marketing team, which is channel and ads. I have a web team that's just managing our digital properties. And then I have a marketing operations and analytics team, which is kind of working on lead flow and making sure that we have quality handoff from marketing to our SDR organization. Um, so I think in my, my career path here has been fairly linear over the last, like, let's call it six years. Um, and so I started in technical marketing doing what, or at least what I like to call technical marketing. So search engine optimization, digital analytics, conversion rate optimization, like really working closely with websites. Um, and eventually that kind of evolved into more of a demand generation where once I started owning websites, I was responsible for a pipeline number. Um, and then as I brought on more channels into that suite that I was managing, the pipeline number got bigger and eventually now I own, own the pipeline number for all inbound marketing uh, minus events. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I didn't have it, it, exact, as easy of a path here as, as you would think of studying digital marketing. So I actually went to school for radio broadcast. Uh, I worked in radio as a promotions director. Uh, promotions director is a fancy name for the guy who drives the van around and sets up the tent. Uh, so <laughs> I would drive the van, drive the radio station van around, um, you know, wrapped in the logo, had a light bar on, so you, you you could flip the lights on and kind of pull up on the curb. And basically, would my job was to go mostly car dealerships, but car dealership to car dealership, and do remote broadcasts. So I'd set up the broadcast equipment, and then the DJ would come out, and we'd do a, a live broadcast. So I did that for about three years. Had a ton of fun when I was like 21. Got into a lot of Got into a lot of bars before I was 21 and, and uh, you know, open, open tab and everything like that. So that was a ton of fun, but I kind of quickly realized this was when Pandora was big and Spotify was first coming up that like, this is not an industry that's going to be around as it is today. And it's not one that like young in my career, I should just like bet on this industry forever. So that was fun. I got to do a lot of like event marketing as well. Got to produce some concerts for I've got been able to meet Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube and Train and Panic at the Disco for like these these radio station concerts. So producing concerts was kind of my favorite part of that. Um, and then coming out of that, I said, I, just said, I need to get into something that has a better career path. That's something that's going to be around for 10 years. And I just literally just started applying for anything that sounded entry-level digital marketing. I was like, the web the internet's gonna be around for a while. And so I got into search engine optimization and 
you know, kind of the rest was history. It just started evolving from one channel to another. Jared, going from radio to working for a company that recently IPO'd, would love to know what the experience of the IPO was like and how things are going. Yeah, yeah. So the IPO was, was fun. I did get a, a chance to go out to the IPO, mostly uh, for some other meetings that were happening in, in New York at the time. Um, it, you know, it's interesting. I've been here for three months. This company has been around for 12 years. And so part of me felt like some survivor's guilt that I was like, I don't, I don't actually, like I didn't help build this company for 12 years. Um, so it, it was fun to be a part of that. Um, I, I, at a previous company, I, I prepared for two IPOs that didn't quite happen. Uh, one, cause they got acquired and the other one, uh, I left right before the IPO happened. So I joked that that was my rollover IPO is like, I get that for work I did in the past. Um, but it, it was a ton of fun. Like it's, it's kind of a crazy, crazy day where, you know, you're just kind of focused on that ceremony for the day. And it was, it was a ton of fun to be a part of. Um, and you can definitely see how much it means to all the people who had been there, you know, for 12 years, building, building the company brick by brick. And had you been to, I'm guessing you had been to New York city before. No, that was the first time I've ever been to New oh, York okay. actually. So yeah, I'm on the West coast. And so, uh, I've been all over the West coast and, and actually many cities in the East coast, but New York just is never one that I landed in. So. Uh, when I took the job at Sprinkler, I, I knew I'd be out there pretty often as our, our headquarters are in New York. That's great. Can you tell us what your ideal customers look like? Uh, and I know you work with uh, generally larger companies, uh, but anything, are there spe specific verticals that you focus on as well? Yeah, so we're, we're pretty vertical agnostic. Um, we can help whether that's public sector, education, retail, tech, like we can kind of really serve all of those industries uh, horizontally. Uh, we do have very tight persona targeting for each of our products. Um, so for our modern care product, we're targeting, you know, director of customer service, director of contact center, you know, people who are running large customer service organizations of these big companies. For our research product, which is largely social listening, as well as some other so other listening sources on the open web, such as reviews like Google and Yelp reviews, things like that, we're targeting like a insights manager, a market researcher, people who want to use that public data to inform their company's decision, whether that's pro product feedback or location feedback um, of data that people are posting on Twitter, on Reddit, and a lot of these open forums. And then we have a marketing and advertising product. That one's pretty clear. That's actually like, I'm the target audience for that. Director of digital marketing, director of media, things like that. And then we have a, a sales and engagement product, which is um, largely socially, social publishing, live chat, as well as um, employee advocacy. So that has kind of its own buyer set as well from like a, mostly social media type titles. Um, we find most success with the director, vice president level people who have budgets uh, but obviously there's a lot of times with an enterprise platform you need a groundswell of users so you get the practitioner who would be using the platform every day um, and so we kind of we, we target in a mix of that but it's really around um, job function that we target and then historically it's been larger enterprise customers but we'll you know we'll probably eventually start to lower move down the market a little bit into some of the smaller companies and Jared, this being the marketing stir, we always like to ask the guests, 
where some of the marketing channels that was, you know, the personas you talked about and your ideal customer, what are some of the channels that you are using at Sprinkler that are working successfully for you? If there's some secret sauce, maybe not reveal that to the (laughs) marketing people who are listening uh, to this podcast, but some of the channels that you utilize, uh, were there channels that your other experiences and other companies that you're bringing with you that, you know, hey, we use this and this works. We were using connected TV, just some examples of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think for us, because uh, this team is fairly new, we're still kind of putting a lot of our eggs in the proven baskets. And so for us, that's LinkedIn, that's Google search. Um, that's starting to expand out into you know pretty targeted Facebook and Twitter and things like that with uh, customer match type audiences. Um, so those are, those are working pretty well. Twi- like Facebook is tough in B2B because of the targeting, right? So there's a, a few ways you can get around that using customer match audiences or licensing data where it's you're basically syncing over an email address for somebody that you know works in an enterprise company in the customer service department. Um, that, is, that makes kind of Facebook prospecting a little bit tough for an industry like ours. Um, so because of that, we've seen a lot of success with LinkedIn, uh, which I think is no surprise for most B2B companies. We can target on company size, we can target on industry, we can target on titles. And so because we have each of these different, you know, within, uh, uh, you know, let's use a huge account, like say Microsoft, you know, they have not only multiple brands, but they also have all these different departments that we have a product for. And so the title targeting gets really important so that we can make sure the ad matches the top of the use case so that we have advertising style ads to an advertising style persona. Um, I think that's probably no surprise there is like what's working. I think the, the secret sauce, so to say, or like how to make it really work, it, it all comes down to the targeting and making sure that you're using all of the targeting options that you have available from customer match audiences to account match audiences in, in LinkedIn to title targeting to interest targeting and kind of trying those all out to see what works. Um, and then making sure that you're using that first party data or that customer match audience over in channels such as Facebook or Google that doesn't allow you to do company level targeting like LinkedIn does. Um, so I think those that's kind of the the theme is like use the big channels because that's where the audience is, but make sure you're using unique and robust targeting to get to the right people in those ponds. Cause there's a lot of fish in the ponds, but you only care about a certain amount of uh, like certain pockets of them. Uh, so that's really where we're focused. Um, you know, I think we have a few, a few kind of up and coming channels from content syndication with more of a, a ABM style, which I think is, is some of the stuff that you guys offer as well. So eventually we'll have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so that that's one where we're, we're starting to see some success as, as far as like lead quality. Uh, and then we always have the, the challenge of like, I can get a bunch of quality leads at this price, but none of them are qualified to talk to sales so they don't convert to opportunities. Um, and so trying to balance that of like, how do we acquire names at a good price, but also create opportunities, which is always going to be a more expensive exercise to get people to raise their hand into a demo over to the SDR team. Yeah, yeah, I, and totally. And then, see, that's a focus of Starista's helping that. So we have tons of things to talk about, you and I, Jared, just about we're friends for life, as you mentioned, but that is also something, uh, you know, 
happy to talk to you about it at any time. But uh, I want to get into the nitty gritty as far as you being a digital marketer, cookie list, the cookie going away. Well, is it going away yet? Maybe in a year or so. But how big of a concern is that for you? And are you already kind of starting to look into the, you know, cookie list channels? How important is that for companies to adapt? Yeah. So that, I think that's the, one of the biggest things that I spend time thinking about. And if you can stay, I think for all marketers that are doing um, any paid demand generation, that's whether you're your B2C or B2B, it doesn't matter. Right. So having, being able to target accurately and measure accurately. So there's, there's two sides of that, right? Like when the cookie goes away, you can't target because you like, let's, let's use Facebook as an example. I can't see that like so-and-so went to, um, you know, uh, let's call it um, like adweek.com, you know, a publisher. And I can assume if somebody goes to adweek.com three times a week, that they're probably in the marketing world. And then I can advertise, advertise the people who go to adweek.com because they're probably interested in marketing. With the cookie going away, that Facebook targeting and really a lot of companies who use third-party data like that is a lot less valuable as well as like it's actually impossible more or less until some of these new technologies like block and fingerprinting become a thing um so the targeting goes away it's way less hard way less more way more difficult and then the other side is the tracking and analytics if facebook if ios is blocking facebook from firing conversion pixels pixels back to facebook you're now your conversions aren't showing up so one your ads are not performing as well because your targeting sucks, but then you're also not measuring what actually is working. So you're actually losing efficiency on the targeting and then you're losing visibility on the back end on the reporting. Um, and so the answer to that really is first party data. And so a um, couple of things that like I've, I've really been focused on lately is building a first party data stack that makes you self-sufficient. Because as soon as you own somebody's email address, you can go target that email address in Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, so on and so on and so forth across all of these channels. Um, so that really, I like really like to build around a customer data platform. Um, Segment is my favorite tool. So like Segment should probably be paying me at this point because I talk about them so much. Um, <laughs> so with Segment really being able to capture, you know, when somebody fills out a form, regardless of what they're downloading, whether it's a, a demo or they're downloading an ebook or they're downloading a webinar, um, or even better, if you're using product like growth, you're able to get people to become free customers by signing up for a trial or a premium offering. Now you own that data. That's a customer of yours. And so if you can kind of take what previously you would think of as customer data, and apply that to the prospect model. So how can I get this email before they're a customer so that I can target them as if I was a customer on Facebook? And so that really, it, your data architecture is really super important. So making sure that you have a customer data platform that one captures all of that in a central place and then can sync that over to all the platforms. So from segment, you can use their personas product to sync over an audience to Facebook, to Google ads to LinkedIn. And you can do that with a centralized definition. So you can say, you know, if you're in e-commerce, you can say, I want people who added to cart who have purchased in the last 60 days who have something in their cart that they abandoned. And I want to sync that over to 
all the ad platforms with one definition, as opposed to going to each ad platform and defining that audience just a little bit different. And then you have one central audience definition and push it everywhere. Um, so that's kind of like, that helps with the targeting side. And to do that, your marketing activities need to move a little bit up the funnel to make sure you're acquiring that first party data. And then your, your ad, your technology, making sure that you can centralize that collection and sync it everywhere. So that's the kind of the audience targeting side that you lose. And then on the measurement side, um, the ad platforms honestly have some catching up to do. I think Facebook's probably the, the most, or is really leading the charge here. So Facebook has a really robust conversions API. And through a tool like Segment, you can say when somebody requests a demo, instead of firing a conversion pixel off to Facebook, like you would tra traditionally do, I can have server, I can have segment, which is a first party data collection tool. So it's not getting blocked by iOS, send a server side conversion to Facebook on the back end that doesn't get blocked by your OS from my server over to Facebook server to count that conversion. And so your conversion tracking gets better. Now, Google, LinkedIn, Twitter have some catching up to do with the, 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 the server side conversions, but I think it's just a matter of time before they catch up. So Good that was a, a very long-winded answer for how I get around that, but it's or like or how we're, we're trying to get around that. But it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to solve, and most companies aren't really set up with the customer data platform. They're using a lot of, of point solutions, and so. With Sprinkler, we can also, our advertising product allows us to create a centralized audience and push it to LinkedIn, push it to Facebook, push it to Twitter. And you can sync that over from your CRM. So I can say, you know, show me anybody without an open opportunity uh, with company with a company revenue range of this, sync that over to all of my social platforms in one place. So there's, there's quite a few tools that are kind of leading the charge on it, but uh, there's, most companies just aren't ready. Jared, I had not heard of segment, at least uh, in this depth. So I was looking it up as you were uh, speaking. So it looks like a pretty interesting tool. Um, yeah, there's a couple, you know, Telium and MParticle kind of have a uh, very okay. similar and very similar offering. I'm most familiar with segment personally. So that's kind of my tool of choice. But I know Telium is probably the other big player in that space. Got it. Uh, and then in terms of kind of, uh, because your audience target is somewhat small, uh, how do you do digital targeting? Uh, do you often have uh, issues with not having enough uh, to target to make a meaningful digital campaign? Yeah, yeah, that just actually came up this morning. Um, so we had kind of a, a niche persona of where you know, we, so I mentioned our, our research product is kind of traditional. Traditionally, it competes in the social listening product or in the social listening category. And so there's a lot of different buyers in a company that could benefit from social listening. So think of your, like your product manager. If you're the product manager for iPhone at Apple, think about all of the things that people tweet about complaining about their iPhone. Like, for example, one of, one of the ones I know pretty well because I have a friend who runs a podcast app is how much people hate the Apple podcast app, right? And they tweet about it all the time. And my friend has made a growth strategy by just responding to people on Twitter who complain about the app with like, hey, try my app instead. And that's his whole like growth loop. <laughs> and it's working, like for it. him for, it's working for him pretty well. Um, and so that's an example where traditional market research and product user research, they're like sending you an MPS survey and then getting product feedback, right? So that's like, 
a solicited feedback channel. With social listening, you get the unsolicited feedback. Um, and so that's one example where like, Apple doesn't need to survey people to be able to sit, to see that like people hate the podcast app, <laughs> you know, or what they love, you know, for example, there's, there's plenty of features that people love, like auto, you know, people love that you open your AirPods case and it automatically syncs with your phone. Like that's a feature people love and they tweet about. And so using that, um, public data as market research can really inform decisions. So that was kind of all to say, like, traditionally, we would target this product at a market researcher to say like the person who's doing the research should have access to all the data, but there's other parts of the company that we can target that to. So we can target that to the product manager to get them product insights. We can target that to the PR manager to get them media insights. We can target that to um, somebody who's in charge of reputation management for a brick and mortar. So say, you know, for example, Starbucks, hundreds and, or thousands and thousands of locations. And there's tons of unstructured feedback on the web between Google, between Twitter, between Yelp that reviews that. And so now we're like, how can we take this product and, and really help it, have it help more departments get insights about the thing they care about. So now to, to your point, AJ, it's like, we, now we need to target just product managers at these companies of that size. And to your point, like the audiences can get pretty small at times. And so, we're kind of always balancing that. Um, and it's usually, we, we like to slice the cake in a few different ways. So it's like persona slice, company size slice, region, like geography slice, right? So like we tra traditionally would break up our audiences by region from EMEA to Americas. And so sometimes we need to combine those slices. So it's either like open up the company size a little bit more or add a few more titles together or let's combine one audience for you know Northern Europe with America so that we can get the audience size. But it's like, it, it is a delicate dance that we're always playing to make sure that we're targeted so it's effective, but also a big enough audience so that we can get reach and actually have enough data to make decisions. Uh, that's great. Uh, so another kind of related question is uh, between kind of the various platforms that you're using, and it sounds like you're, a pretty robust strategy there. Is there one that really stands out for you for your uh, on-demand gen? Uh, as far as advertising platforms? Or uh, for lead like generation, uh, I guess, which platform is uh, leading to the most number of leads for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a, the lead number versus the opportunity number differs, got right? It, so it. like, the, the simple answer is like LinkedIn is the easiest place to get quality leads. Um, those leads usually aren't that warm. They're good leads and we want to warm them up. And so we're, we're happy to, you know, we're happy to keep advertising there. Uh, but then you like compare and contrast that with like a Google with a paid search, whether that's Google Bing or Yahoo, where once somebody is looking for social listening platform, that's like, ah, that person's ready to buy. I want, I want that person bid up as much as we can. Um, and so that's kind of that's kind of where we balance the funnel is like we have some at the top which is like acquire names and that's like LinkedIn content syndication is really good at acquiring names at a good cost and then paid search SEO things like that are really good a little bit lower in the funnel to get people to raise their hands um, so that, that's kind of how we balance it uh, if I could, if we can crack the code to make like LinkedIn a demand like a request demo style hand raiser campaign then we'll just be printing money forever. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I have, I'm going to get to our standard, not our standard, but our, our question, our signature question on LinkedIn in a moment that we do ask because uh, we were talking about LinkedIn. But Jared, talk to me about like some of the advantages of running all social media platforms through one platform. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the uh, so the biggest thing is consumers are across on a crazy amount of channels these days, and so having having a robust, a robust platform like ours really allows one like we can add and innovate channels quickly because we're we're we focus on this space and we historically have been the leader in like enterprise social media management. And so like when TikTok gets big, we are one of the first, first people to be able to help brands manage their TikTok, Snapchat, so on and so forth as these channels expand. And the channels will keep expanding. And so uh, we, you know, whether that's in, in Asia markets, whether that's WeChat and Line, like around the world, these different platforms pop up. And so having one platform is crucial because you usually have one team and you need that team to live in one piece of software. Every time you have context switching, context switching between like, okay, you're going to manage Twitter DMs here, you're going to manage Facebook Messenger here, and then you're going to manage you know, Snapchat messages here. Now, the, you know, the company and, or the agent, whoever's doing that support and community management is losing time and efficiency across that, as well as you're siloed, that data is now siloed. And so if somebody complains on Twitter and Facebook, if you're not on the same platform, you're not going to be able to tell that's the same person. And so unifying all of those, all of those channels with, you know, those are the social channels, but then also like kind of the example that I had in the beginning is if somebody complains in your Twitter DMs and then later live chats from your website, you would, you probably want that to go to the same rep so that they were like, oh yeah, I was already talking to this person about that issue, about their flight or whatever, you know, whatever the use case is. So it's crucial that, the customer expects the company to know everything about me and, and the interactions that I have with the company. And if you're in siloed point solutions for each of those, you're just never going to be able to do that. You're never going to be able to know that like, oh, this person like complained about this on Twitter and then came to the website, which probably means that he's escalating because his, his uh, problem is not solved. So um, that, I think that's the, the biggest thing there. And then on the publishing side, more of the marketing use case, um, just making sure that you can, in one place, be efficient and have an editorial calendar where you can see like, okay, this is what's going out on Snapchat, this is what's going out on, on IG stories, this is what's going out on Facebook. Just giving the single view to that team that's going to probably, you know, even if you have channel specialists on that team, there's probably at one point a social media director who's going to be in charge of all of those channels. And so giving them a single view is crucial. Very interesting. And, and let's uh, take it back to social media. Let's talk about LinkedIn. We have a signature question here on the marketing stir. Although you, see, you seem like a really nice guy. I know you're a nice guy because I met you, but uh, what is a LinkedIn message that you get? Uh, you know, your title, Vice President Digital Marketing, you probably get reached out to a lot. What is a LinkedIn message you just hate you don't respond to a pet peeve of yours. And then on the flip side, what's one that gets your attention? Yeah, so I think I have two that drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> one is uh, recruiting agencies who will reach out and be like, 
I can help you hire. And, uh, you know, they don't go onto our LinkedIn and see that I have a recruiting department of 35 plus people. And that clearly like the hiring manager is probably not hiring the recruiting agency. Like go talk to our, our talent acquisition team. Mm -hmm. right? So that's one. And then sometimes it's like, you know, people asking me, you know, like I can help you hire skills that you don't even own. Um, so that, that like recruiting agencies are one that drive me nuts. And then uh, this is pretty niche to anybody who's done SEO for a living, but I have a bunch of SEO skills and endorsements on my, and like old job titles that were search engine optimization. And so at least three times a week, I get somebody trying to sell me backlinks. Uh, so that one's, those ones are easy to spot. <laughs> and like, usually I'll get a connection request and it will say like wake building and I'll just decline. And so I don't get the DMs because of that. Uh, the ones that are, the ones that are bad is when you get a, Hey, we're, you know, I'd like, looks like you do this, this, and this, and it's like a personalized invite. You're like, okay, this looks like a real human who wants to connect. And then they pitch you right away. And I'm, yep. just, I'm a jerk and kind of just respond unsubscribe. Uh, but I get 10 a day. So I have to yep. try to balance that. That what um, you describe there is my biggest, like if I do accept right away, like, come on, not right away. Like just, you know, get, get to know me. But what was one that resonates with you? Um, ones that resonate with me are, I like, you know, obviously the, the, I respect SDRs out there, like hustling, you know, cold calling, like creating opportunities. Cause like I'm in a demand gen role. So I understand what I understand their job, but I, I really respect the ones who say like, Hey, you know, I've talked to so-and-so at your company. Sounds like that's not a good fit. You might be the fit. I know I did a little research. It looks like you're using these other technologies. You know, here's three sentences of why, if you're using Salesforce, our product is really great to pair up with that. Or if you're using, you know, this CMS, our product is great for that. And then like case study of how a reputable company is using their product to do that thing. Um, so I think those are like the outreaches that I value is where somebody's like, I know you're busy. Look, this, this product really does have value. If you just say like, hey, I want to sell you the thing. Can we connect for five minutes? That's going to be a hard no. But if you actually like, you got my attention to read the message, which I read most of them, which I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I read most of them. I don't respond to hardly any, but if you say like, you have my attention for 15 seconds, give me your elevator pitch right there. Like if your product's good, I'm, I'm going to look at your product. If you just say like, I want to learn about your goals. And I'm like, I don't want to tell you about my goals. See you later. Um, as opposed to saying like, this is what we do. Here's the results that another company like you saw. This is what, you know, this is what it would take to, to show you the platform. That's where like, I th actually, I think, I think it kind of relates to, I just tweeted this before the, the episode started, but I said, there's a special place in hell for people who slack you, hey there, and then don't ask you the question until you respond of hi. And so <laughs> it's like, I think the cold outreach is the same thing. Like you got my attention, don't waste, don't, don't make me come back to this conversation in 20 minutes or an hour after you respond. Just like, pitch me what you're going to pitch me. And if your pitch is good enough, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bite. If not, I'll at least know what you were trying to sell. If I don't know what you're trying to sell right away, then I'm out. I like that. We do have a lot of SDRs who uh, listen to the podcast and they say, you know, this feedback is, is always great. So awesome. Nice. So, so Jared, I was paid to ask this question. Uh, you, you can answer it truthfully if you want as well. Uh, we, we won't let Vincent take offense, but I heard you saw him perform live. Uh, how, how was uh, that experience? 
Yeah, I did. Uh, so when we were, we did a kind of a pre-meeting for this just to you know, make sure that it was a good fit before this podcast. And I mentioned like, yeah, I'm going to be in New York soon. And he's like, oh, what do you, or actually, I think one of his questions to get to know me was, what do you like to do in your spare time? And I said, uh, you know, camping, concerts, food, and I love comedy. And then, you know, Vincent just lights up. It's like, no way. And he's like, I actually do stand-up comedy. And I was like, ah, sure. Everybody does stand-up comedy. Like how, how bad Everybody is this guy? Does. <laughs> how, how bad is this guy going to be, you know? Um, and if he pans over, I think I can even see it in the corner there. I think there's a flyer next to him about one of his, one of his, yep, exactly. So uh, I'm like, all right, he's got flyers. He's, he's going to see the real deal. And so he, you know, he offered to like, yeah, when you're in town, come out and uh, you can come to one of my shows. And I took him up on the offer uh, and saw him perform and he killed it, man. It was, it was really good. Uh, the energy of Vincent is Vincent, right? Like the, this isn't this isn't an act. So I've now seen him in a podcast. I've seen him on stage performing, and then we had a couple beers after after the show. It's the same Vincent, right? He's just telling different <laughs> stories. So he's, here he's telling work stories uh, on stage. He's telling you know life stories that are funny to <laughs> other people. And then when you're hanging out with him, you know he's just he's just talking about whatever you were in the moment or whatever comes up with conversation. But it's all the same guy. Uh, but I do recommend he was he was good. I would go see him again. Thank you. Jared, I appreciate sure, that. I'm sure you've made his uh, month. If that's not, it. That's all I need. Yeah. Taking the rest hopefully of the month off. A, hopefully that's a big door behind him so he can fit out. He can get out there when his head gets inflated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need it because, you know, I just I, some positive feedback is great. It's uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I only invite yeah. people where I'm like, ah, OK, if they mentioned comedy, I never start with that. And, uh, you know, I was like, all right. Uh, I think uh, Jared will get it. He'll get it. Yeah, that's well, got to be, uh, you know, there's a, not all stand-up comedy would be the type of stuff that you're, you're uh, performing in your office. And so that's got to be a little dangerous if you're like, is it, can this guy handle these jokes uh, or is he going to be super <laughs> offended, you know? So that's got to be a tough read that you have to put on people when you're living both lives. Yeah, you should see his HR file. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. So Jared, one last question uh, from my side is what's been kind of a uh, shining moment for you in the last few years uh, in your marketing career and professional life? Uh, I think I've gotten really lucky with the companies that I've worked for. Um, so I've worked for this would be the fourth like B2B high growth SaaS company valued at over a billion dollars that I'd worked at pre-IPO. And so um, those experiences for me have been so valuable to my career. So um, one, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day and if it wasn't for some of the companies that I worked for, not necessarily the work that I was doing, but the companies that I was worked for where I got to do that work, I wouldn't be anywhere near the marketer that I am today. And so that's kind of some of my advice for young marketers always is that take an opportunity on a company that you believe in, even if it's a title or a role that you know maybe wasn't as glorious as you hoped. And so my first role in SaaS, I, I took a, a lateral move to doing the same job that I was doing at an agency with a smaller team, with no team. And and less pay, but it was for a company that was super hype growth. And the experiences that I learned there, um, I want to train for the world. And so 
those those opportunities to work for high growth companies have, I, I think, set up a foundation for me in my career as well. It just kind of accelerated my path from, you know, manager, director to, to, to vice president. And so hitch your wagon to good companies. That's I think that's one of the things that I am most grateful for. Nice. That's my plan too. Hitch myself. <laughs> Great companies. I'm in good company now. Uh, Jared, before we go, just, uh, you know, talk to us. Any new things coming out from Sprinkler that you're excited about? Obviously, the IPO, that's that's new. And then, uh, you know, what you like to do for fun. You mentioned it a little bit, but, uh, you know, you're getting back to the concerts. Love to hear more about that as we uh, wrap up. Yeah, yeah. We got a couple of product launches um, that, we're, that we're working on now. I can't talk too much about them yet, um, but feel free to follow me on social and and when those happen, um, we'll be able to, you know, I'll, I'll be able to share it with the world. Um, you know, some of the stuff that we're, we're super excited about is, is continuing to spread the, you know, the product that we've been building for the enterprise world, like the large enterprise world with the rest of the business, uh, business community. And so really helping more customers as opposed to just focusing on the uh, you know, top 2000 brands in the world. So um, you know, with that, we'll obviously need to evolve our, our product sets and we'll continue to continue to work on that. Um, but I think that's, that's about all I got. Nothing, nothing too, nothing too big that I can share uh, publicly, right. but stay, stay tuned. The IPO is big enough. Well, where can people follow you on social? What's your handle? Yeah. Twitter, I'm uh, really easy to get a hold of. It's dig uh, Gardner is the handle. And then uh, LinkedIn, super easy to find there too. So pretty active on those two channels. Don't use any other channels. So don't try to, don't, if you could try to connect with me on Facebook, I won't see it for three years. So um, <laughs> Twitter and LinkedIn are pretty easy to find me. And are uh, you been, you know, I know you love concerts. Have you been getting out to any, are they opening up a little bit? I feel like concerts are slow. I just had Lady Gaga cancel on my wife and I. Uh, very offended by Lady Gaga about that. I'm sure she'll get back to us, but what have you been doing there? Yeah, we got a couple couple tickets planned uh, for later this summer. Um, August and September, we got some tickets, a uh, couple reggae shows, um, got some comedy tickets, see Tom Segura when he comes oh, through town. Awesome, yeah. Um, those, are, those are hard tickets to get, so glad, <laughs> glad we jumped mm -hmm. on those. And then... Um, Got a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mark Rebier. He's a uh, YouTuber that does improvised music for like two hours and a oh, live wow, stream no. every Sunday. And he's just like one of the most entertaining humans. It's half comedy, half music, but he's just a super entertaining guy. And he improvises his whole show. So we got tickets to that. So um, I'll, I'll probably hit five or six concerts before the end of the year. Uh, a couple of them, like you said, have either got like pushed back a month or two. So I'm hoping that doesn't keep happening because, yeah. Tickets went on sale and we're like, all right, we're back. We're back from COVID concert mm -hmm. thing again, but we'll see which ones actually happen. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the uh, Gaga one got pushed back. I got my wife tickets, uh, Elton John's farewell concert coming to Barclay Center here in New York. I just scored uh, Giants Dallas Cowboys tickets. I'm going to be in Ooh. Dallas 
And then I'm going to a New York Giants Atlanta Falcons game where they retire mystery live Manning's jersey. So I already got tickets to that one uh, here in New York. But Jared, you know, when you're in New York, anytime, my friend, you know, come uh, come on out. We'll get lunch. You come to another show. If you're not sick of me already, I'll make sure I get some new stuff for you. But it's so nice meeting you in person. So nice meeting your wife as well. And this has been great joining us on the marketing stir ladies and gentlemen that is jared gardner he is the vice president of digital marketing at sprinkler that's aj gupta my ceo and co-founder i'm vincent petrofessa this has been another episode of starista's the marketing stir thank you so much for listening and we will see you soon thanks for listening to the marketing stir podcast by starista please like rate and subscribe if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.